0: Get out your swim trunks, folks. It's The Sopranos Podcast, Season 5, Episode 8, La Dolce Vita. Whatever we are, I am proud of it, unlike you, obviously. That's a quote from Carmela Soprano in Season 5, Episode 8 of The Sopranos, entitled Marco Polo. This episode is written by Michael Imperioli and directed by John Patterson.
1: Boo, boo, this is crap, boo.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Paul uh, making his opinion known early. I guess that's his initial impression upon turning the episode off. Marco Polo. This is a Paul mentioned this phraseology in the last episode as a sleeper hit of season five. And I have to agree. I think Michael Imperioli's return to the writer's seat is a vastly successful one. And I have made it known on this podcast and any show I've ever talked to anybody about, that I'm a big fan of event episodes. If you center an episode of a show around an executive card game, a Thanksgiving dinner, a backyard barbecue, birthday party, I like that structure. It works for me. It pulls me in. This one was a lot of fun. Had a lot of great moments. Interesting stuff happening around the Soprano pool. Great family, great gangster stuff. I loved it. I'm Chris D'Amato. I'm Paul Mancini and I'm Jordan Hugh. All right, and boys, we are checked in, all wings are active. What's uh what are your thoughts on Marco Polo? I think
2: one of my favorite episodes of the show. It's um really sweet and um you know for all of us um we three who are you know Italian Americans, grew up with an Italian family, uh this I know for sure Chris and Paul this must have brought you back to any number of family events from your childhood cuz uh Everything I watched in this episode, I'm getting emotional. It's the first thing we're talking about. This whole thing in this episode just reminded me of all the wonderful backyard parties of my childhood with my whole family when my family was still like a big family because it's actually yeah. very small now. And, you know, Hugh is such a lovable character and that it's his birthday is particularly endearing. And, uh, you know, this episode in particular, is it's so much of the best of the lowercase f family of the show like it's you know
1: it's it's really good stuff i just wanted to be there i agree i love this episode as well i think that it's helped me over the past couple of years to get new and deepened perspectives on the show and the characters to come to appreciate where carmella in particular is coming from in a story like this uh i love as jordan said the family aspect of it it's fun it's funny though aspects of it will get there made me sad. Not only that that Carmela's mother can be very snobbish, but it seems so pointless to me what she puts herself through and what, I, I'm sure a lot of different people do this, but in my own experience, Italian people, some of whom are more assimilated, Americanized, others of whom are more evocatively Italian, and us fighting over what the right way to be is, it seems a waste. Mm. Um, so that I related to a lot of that. The also, as Chris said, the event. This is key. We, we've been at this for five seasons now. We've seen many events at the Sopranos House, but we've never stayed there like this. We've never seen an episode where the first half tends toward the event, and the second half is essentially the event. And but so we're coming back to old themes about the Imago, we're coming back to old themes about the family and the party dynamic. It's not an accident that so much happens around the pool. It's not an accident that we see Tony manning the grill, which is where the inciting incident of the series happened, but so much has informed the world since then. And we're coming to some new movement for characters. Also the stuff with Tony B, just the the depiction of envy and jealousy is Shakespearean, I think. And it's so well done. Can't say enough nice things about this episode. John Patterson, wherever you are, God fucking bless you. Imperioli, great writing as always. And Michael Imperioli always does this one thing where in his episodes, Chris is usually, he has like one or two lines. Yeah. (laughs) So that's a fun thing. He kind of stays back a little bit. This episode is just him being annoyed that his mom got drunk at the party. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, it's great. Can't wait to talk about it. Yeah. It's also a great, like,
2: Tony B episode. He's got awesome... Awesome moments in this episode, a great moment for that character.
0: Yeah, yeah. He really stepped into the spotlight in a big way. Look, this is a great episode for all of the reasons you gentlemen just illustrated. And also, it does exactly what a Great Sopranos episode does. Any competent drama can write an episode about materialism and envy that is effective. But one that also has the notes of humor and familial contact that this one does That's what makes it special. And it's no accident that the episode is titled after Marco Polo, an Italian explorer who came back to the world with all of these exotic riches. And yet at its heart, what it's actually referring to in the episode is a stupid little game in Tony's pool where contact and real emotional, physical connection is made. It's It's just really smart on that level. I love it. I'm excited to break it down. And uh, there's a lot of really fun stuff going on in some of the subplots as well. Speaking of fun subplots, first scene. Uh, We're in Jordan's neck of the woods here. This is Long Island, New York. (laughs) It sure is. Have you uh, been to little Carmine's house? I'm sure you've been to houses like this. Uh, I've been to many houses like that.
2: I'm not familiar with that neighborhood uh, too much, though. I know where it is. I know that area. That's actually not too far from a place called the Nautical Mile, which is kind of a dinner spot in that area. Yeah,
0: we have Peak Carmine Junior here sipping his coffee out of his little cup and mispronouncing things. The trompe Oil fool the eye. Uh, This, there's, good good lord. There's so many great malaprops in this one. He, he is the king of the malaprops. I really
2: thought Tony would give him a run for his money, but even in his brief appearances, it is it is absolutely Carmine Jr.
0: It even outshone Versailles. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're in West Hempstead here. He's given away washing machines. Washing machines. And then his boat, My Funny Valentine, sinks. Someone
1: sunk the boat. I didn't know they had artists in West, West Hempstead. i'm just fucking around people in west hempstead you know i love you oh (laughs) rim shot oh yeah it's a great no go ahead i'm sorry it's a great scene it's a fun setup and also like i think even tony well tony will mention it later on but it's so goofy and petty that i guess john this guy's boat but isn't it interesting that it seems like a setup for this episode where people saving face, or being petty will actually inform some mm. important plot points, right? Yeah. Right.
2: Yeah. Um that area, so the nautical mile which I just mentioned is actually in a town called Freeport, which is very near to where Carmine's house is there. He's in West Hempstead. There is like this little weird area there. It's all waterfront that is really concentrated wealth. And then just beyond that there's a lot of Um, I wouldn't call it urban decay because it's not really the city. I don't know if there's such a thing as sort of something between suburban and urban. Um, I'm not quite sure what that word would be, but it's a really, for, for listeners who don't know where this area is, it's a very interesting place because you sort of leave Manhattan and you leave Queens and you come out to Long Island, but it doesn't look like Long Island. It looks like yeah, sort of this weird transitional thing. And then you get to these gorgeous waterfront homes. It is so bizarre. Um, I, I really, you know, a lot of times watching this series, they will shoot in locations that are usually not ideal for other shows because, you know, some areas of industrial North Jersey and certainly this part of Long Island, you know, in other places, they can be not as nice looking. But it also, like, it makes you contemplate, like, there's a lot of beauty next to a lot of things that aren't so beautiful. I always think that about the Sopranos house mm-hmm. as well. Like that is such a beautiful house. And then, you know, uh, they all derive from Newark, which is not close, but is not really a particularly nice area. It's just it's so funny that everything is so close. Do you know what I mean? Chris, you often talk about your town, which is like a a beautiful town. But then there's some areas just outside of it that are really different.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot. That's what you get when you get such a densely populated area. this This is spelled out even in New York City. Uh, yeah. And oh, what's oh, so yeah. funny, too, is everybody has such a pride about their location, even though they're very similar. There's a lot of parts of Long Island that are very similar to parts of New Jersey. Sure. And yet I have no doubt, Jordan, you would be rooting for Little Carmine in this situation because he's your hometown
2: uh, gangster. I, I certainly would be if I <laughs> if I did not know what I knew about Little Carmine. Um, <laughs> uh, I thought also in this episode, then with all this of Italy itself, mm. Italy, uh, a beautiful country. Uh not a, an incredibly large country and yet there is this factionism north and south even though they are all intermarried and all together we touched on this with furio uh you know earlier in the series and now it's back the kind of this sort of north south feud and i'm like guys you're right fucking next to each other in a small little country and none of you are there you're all here what are you doing
0: mm-hmm. hmm. funny well said Uh, AJ practicing the same, what sounds to me, I mean, I don't know. If there's any drummers out there, please feel free to write me if I'm wrong. It sounds like he's been practicing the same exact thing for the entire season. (laughs) He he, he is faster at it. I'll give him that. Maybe that's the idea. But uh, the point is, Hugh falls off the roof. It's kind of a shockingly comic moment, but also like, holy shit, I hope he's okay. (laughs) And I have to wonder if his attachment to Tony coming to the party, in part, Nothing in the Sopranos is just one thing, straightforward. But I have to wonder, he said to Carmela, if you had a last episode, if you had a man around the house, you wouldn't need me over here doing these kinds of things. And I have to wonder if part of him is thinking, like, I don't know, maybe somehow if Tony were still here on top of all this shit, he wouldn't have fallen off the roof.
1: <laughs> but yeah. It's nice to have a man around the house, and and AJ is a fucking waste of space. So there's that. I also <laughs> like uh In the scene just before, Carmine looked at the boat and he said, "I wrote her up from Miami last week. She was fine." Mm. Um, This show's always sexist, but or there's always sexist tendencies. But it's here in this episode, and one of the things that I like is that it's embodied by characters that I don't like and characters that I do. Phil is a character that I just naturally don't like because he's a fucking cunt rag. And when he walks in and looks at Angie and says, "Hey, doll, where's your brother-in-law?" Like immediately, I'm like, "Okay, this guy's a dick." But Hugh is not a dick. I love Hugh. But when he says, go right the hell ahead and cancel the party because I'm not coming if the man of the house is invited, it's kind of like, ugh. you know, I get it because he is old fashioned. But that's obviously not what Carmela needs in that moment. I love that sort of thing. Um, it, it makes it that much more rich and complex, the whole image of the party and the image of the family
2: well Yeah, I mean, it's hard for me to watch Carmela stuck in that situation. But, I mean, like Paul, I like Hugh. I think in general, viewers like Hugh DeAngelis. He's such a nice character. It's nice that the episode centers him. We can hardly blame him. This is a man who was probably born in the 1920s. He is going to have that old world view of the household. And also, yeah, he loves Tony. It's kind of deliciously complicated, like, in the right ways. Like, we want him to be upstanding and to be totally with Carmela in finding her independence and supporting her. But also it's like, oh uh, yeah, I mean, we get it. You know, we get it without him, him even having to explain it. Like, of course that was going to be his opinion.
1: Yeah.
0: And Hugh has always been very likable down to the person they chose to cast for it. Yeah, Tom Mulder is, is a wonderful man. Yes. And I, I miss I miss him dearly. And Hugh might be the only character on the show that would unite Tony and Carmela at this particular time in their marriage for the same event. And put them all in this situation. It's it's well done. It's a good choice, and it is nice to see him get his own. It's just huge episode in a way. Continuing on here, the hedges broke his fall. His roofing days are over. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Carmela's mother is in peak Carmela's mother form here. Uh, talking about what she's wondered finds herself wondering in these moments, what do you, you know, if you can go on without them. In many ways, you've been spared that, she says to Carmela, which I can't imagine is a helpful thing to hear, even though she probably meant well. But uh, some guy is writhing in pain in the background. I really love that moment when she's Take it out of whatever it is she's thinking about says why don't they take care of this man (laughs) very funny delivery there and (laughs) that guy definitely needs attention by the way that has to be like a blown appendix or a kidney stone or something real bad he needs help but the point of the scene it comes out that hugh's birthday party is coming up 75 years old it's supposed to be a surprise party she does the thing where she brings up Tony is he going to be invited everyone would understand if you didn't she's already working we find out later on that there was more to this than just trying to spare Carmela's feelings and the awkwardness of the guests but she's already pressing here even to the point where well, I thought you said he wasn't coming that kind of thing where Carmela said nothing of the kind so she's working her uh her charms here early on but we're introduced to the premise Hugh is okay, thank God. He's going to be all right after his fall. I think thanks thanks to the hedges.
1: <laughs> is the pretense about concern for Carmelo the same as what happens with the poor Middle Eastern guy who's who's like in mortal agony? She's like, oh, I'm. It's like this pretense of concern, but she just doesn't want to hear it. Um, <laughs> right, Just as she doesn't want to like be suffer. I don't know the indignity of sausage twirling. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah.
0: Yeah. Her, her, her own personal comfort is of the utmost importance to her at any given time. It's really fun. Cut to Johnny Sack's house. He bought himself a Maserati. He buys himself a fancy new machine just minutes after Carmine's boat, which probably costs even more than the Maserati was sunk. Flashy sport car. John doesn't even really know how to handle it. Ginny can't sit in it, but it's a status symbol. John is trying to assert himself as boss mm-hmm this is a vanity purchase it can go up to 176 miles per hour and then it gets back to the car that the incident that happened with tony and phil and the last thing phil he won't let that go he treats nickels like manhole covers that's a fucking great line mm. I'd, I'd never heard that before it's it's like one of those things that sounds like a cliche but i'd never heard it before no yeah fucking little carmine the captain's loyal to me. Need to know I stand behind them right now. John is nothing if not smart and a good leader. So he he knows that Tony's got to help take care of this. He's got no insurance. So Tony agrees, but it's got to go to Pussy's Body Shop. Done. They get in the car, go for a drive. The look on Tony's face when G- uh, Johnny says that Ginny can't get in because of her knee. <laughs> is, that's darkly funny, but... And then they speed off, but not before we get the saddest possible shot of Sal Veacher, who is still.
1: Cutting oh, this yeah,
2: lawn. just heartbreaking. Yeah. <laughs> While this guy drives around his new Maserati, Sal's just broken down doing the lawn for free.
1: So we also haven't checked in in a few episodes on the war in New York with any great detail or depth. But, you know, we started with Carmine. They mentioned it here. And Tony's, at least part of his interest, he wants to keep costs down, but he also wants to stay neutral, which is important, an important thread to bring back in because it's going to be heavily complicated, obviously, by the end of the episode when Tony B gets involved.
0: Absolutely. Moving along here, this is the first time we've seen Angie Bump, and Sarah in a while. She's doing well, it seems. She's running Pussy's Body Shop. Tony seems to have granted that to her. Last time we saw Angie Bompatcero, I believe, was when she had mentioned money troubles to Carmela. Tony went over there and beat up her Cadillac uh, with his baseball bat. So uh, it's nice to see Angie independent uh, to a certain extent. Tony explains the situation, quote, I distracted him while he was driving. (laughs) (laughs) Tells her to keep costs in line, immediately putting her in a very weird spot. She doesn't know how weird it's going to get. But basically, hey, I'm fronting the money for this. So try to save money where you can. She mentions something about the other business you do through here after expressing gratitude. And Tony immediately shuts down. That is crossing a line. Plus, he'll never trust anyone with the last name Boppincero again with anything. No, he's he's not telling her shit. Yeah. Well, anyway,
2: (laughs) kind of thing. I do always feel bad for her just um, (laughs) because that actor is quite good. And she's very sort of vulnerable and mousy. And you just always feel bad for Angie. But I
0: understand Tony's prickliness. Yeah. So we'll come back to the Bump and Cerro body shop. Carmella comes over to Livia's house. And boy, oh boy, is Tony living the bachelor life. I really I paused it for a second. I've seen the scene dozens of times, of course, but. I really wanted to look. I mean, this guy, the cleaner called out, the woman who does the cleaning called out. uh, I mean, who knows how often the cleaning lady comes, but good God, pizza, whipped cream, Burger King bags. It's it's Mm -hmm. a fucking disaster in there. (laughs) This is after AJ's moved out, by the way, but boy, he and Artie must be having a real good time in there.
2: Yeah, it occurred to me. I don't know how, uh, I don't know that Tony has ever really really lived for very long by himself i don't think he has the wherewithal to like keep a house for himself you know because mm. it seems like if we're putting together the timeline based on what we know about these characters and you know some other things outside they've been together pretty much forever tony and carmela i mean mm. not faithfully on tony's part but i mean i don't know that they've ever I don't know that he's ever had to live on his own.
0: <laughs> you know what no, I mean? Like a, this no. might be a new experience for him. He's living like a college kid. The only fucking thing I've seen Tony make for himself is, is cereal.
2: <laughs>
0: right. Really. And, and, and like or I heat think something of,
2: up. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: That some heat something that someone else made. It's it's really uh, it's like how I lived with, like if I had a sick day home from school when I was in like eighth grade and my parents are just like, All right, right heat this up and you have uh-huh. cereal. that's kind of the vibe it's really funny probably not for carmella though who comes in there and brings up the party it's next saturday tony didn't remember but carmella declares i think it's best i went at it alone more on the theme of trying to save face here well i decided when we split up i wasn't coming tony didn't even remember the fucking thing was happening but sure okay we'll buy that one tony offers to contribute to the party and they can't leave on a pleasant note Carmella says, I'd really like to see you go to a therapist. Tony bites back. I'd like to see you in therapy and I'm not the only one. It's really none of your business whether I go or not. Okay. (laughs) Any thoughts on uh, Tony and Carmella here and Carmella's decision to go it alone, this dynamic? Well, I think, you know, it's, it's important that
2: Carmella has this conversation with Tony. Obviously, it doesn't go quite how she would want it to. She's trying to assert some independence here. I think uh I, I think I suspect she knew it would go this way. I I can't imagine she would think he would be gracious about it. I don't know. I'm just saying I don't think she's surprised by the outcome.
0: This may just be what I'm reading into it. Acting and art is subjective unless something is explicitly shown or stated. But I read a little bit of sadness off of Gandolfini here. I think he's I think he wants to go. I think once he remembers, he absolutely wants to go. Yeah, he's like a little hurt that he's not invited. But. Yeah, for sure.
1: I think you guys are absolutely right. It's just that I mean, how could you? I think even for maybe guys like us, it might be hard to simply live in the fact that our feelings are hurt, and we say love our father-in-law, and we want to go celebrate him. For a guy like Tony, it's that's buried under ten different layers of anger misogyny whatever yeah. um it's not gonna it's not gonna come out as vulnerability uh but i think you guys are absolutely right um and you know we're, we're gonna get this in the very next beat with uncle jr being hurt and and uh off put he wasn't invited and how does he save face through pettiness
0: <laughs> <laughs> this scene and this whole thread is just fucking kills me uh it's great yeah.
2: it's truly great
0: junior's having trouble staying awake the new meds says i can't stay awake bobby says it doesn't have that side effect they had references what's he watching here la dolce vita yes and this is where we get our
2: episode title i'll let you finish with the scene and then i just wanted to discuss that really sure
0: sure jesus hanging off a helicopter bobby tells (laughs) bobby tells junior about the party Junior has the wonderful idea I should call and tell him I can't come. Bobby says, it's a surprise party, Junior. What are we, children? And then proceeds to do the most childish possible thing. Calls, gets a response from the operator that there's going to be some kind of like 80 cent charge. His comment is the fuck, it's over anyhow. (laughs) 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 Which considering the depressed state we left, Junior, is the fact that we're able to laugh at that speaks to Chandizzi's humor. How am I doing Hugh? I'm a prisoner in my own home. My family keeps me sedated. Is a line that fucking slayed me. <laughs> and he uh he blows it. He blows the roof on the party. I love this slow push in shot we get of Hugh smiling and like he loves that they were good. Oh, he loves it. Party. He loves it. I I, I love, love it too. Yeah, yeah, that that but he gives this line I heard Bobby said it was a surprise party, but it's enough of us Enough of a surprise to be able to get up every morning at our age. It's enough of a surprise to be able to get up every morning. So yes, a line
2: he loves enough to repeat later. Yes, correct. Yeah. So we we titled this episode La Dolce Vita, which uh, I believe translates pretty much directly to the sweet life. It is the Italian movie that Junior is uh, trying to watch in the scene. I know nothing about this film, but uh, I I think just on the surface level in this scene, of course. Of course, Junior would not be able to understand a film that is about having the sweet life. He himself is not having a sweet life, mm. despite the fact that I think Junior, though uh, probably not fluently, has a pretty good understanding of Italian, and we know Ken speaks some Italian. He probably should be able to follow the plot of this film, but he can't because he's just too depressed. He's too removed from a life that is sweet. And then we have this nice parallel, of course, with Tony Blundetto who we'll see much more of in this episode, and we'll talk much more about in a moment. The sweet Life is the thing he pines for, the thing he wants, the thing he's going to try to actualize in this episode. And I think one of the reasons the three of us like this episode so much is that for at least a little bit of time, we actually get to see our favorite characters enjoying some of the sweet Life, if they could all just relax and find each other and hold on for... A little while um mm-hmm. i love that the inciting incident comes from junior here and i love hugh's reaction because he is not disappointed to hear the surprise is ruined to him it's like he gets to kind of enjoy this and savor this a little longer because yeah. you know what it's pretty fucking awesome that your family cared enough about you to put together a huge party for you and you're going to kind of suck on that sweet for a while that's something mm. to really enjoy and of course we know the payoff of this party is he has a wonderful time in fact he has like a you know a a, I should say like a once in a lifetime time At his party I mean he is lifted into A car by the end of this episode he is <laughs> Overjoyed and that is Really great to see but that's That's the life junior wants you know mm. That it, junior will never be celebrated like That and possibly neither will Tony be not unless he makes some moves
0: mm. On a personal note I have always been a, had an attachment to this Movie because uh, I did a production Of Midsummer Night's Dream when I was younger and uh, the aesthetic the director went with was a La Dolce Vita aesthetic. And oh, so, okay. Yeah. yeah. It, Apparently, it actually, this is
1: quite a well-known film. I don't know it at all.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Give it a watch sometime. I think you'd uh, it's it. a great,
1: it's a great movie. Um, Fellini was a master. I love this element with Junior too, because <laughs> Junior's so petty, but it seems like also over time, Hugh DeAngelis thinks there's something cool about these gangsters he thinks it's like the coolest thing that junior called him and again thinks it's so cool that he repeats the line later on obviously loves yeah. tommy so he seems to envy something in that just as jordan mentioned junior envies the fact that hugh has his family um and again there's this weird envy of dr Fagoli, in spite of the fact that he is tedious beyond words it, it is it's fascinating yeah Tony B
0: with the one-liners as we continue on here. In my day, I thought an airbag was poly Walnuts. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. He comes to give Tony a little payoff. He seems to be doing okay. He's, of course, after the tragic comic episode, Sentimental Education, he is back in the life now, taking over this stolen airbag scam, which will play very well into our subplot here in a moment because the airbag guy is a natural send over to deal with the phil leotardo situation that's happening but he comes to tony this is a very straightforward scene understandable this thing with the airbags i think i could be of more service to you in other areas and getting straightened out wouldn't hurt neither for those of you who don't know your mob lingo by now that means he's basically asking to get made at this point he's done his time okay getting straightened out means open up the books, make it right. Let's do it. Mm. But he's asking Tony to do more with him. I I can help. I can be of more service to you. This is nice. It's great to be earning. But and we know from the cues we've had so far and the uh, experience we've had our short time with Tony B that he is a very smart character. So when he says I can be of service to you in other areas, it's not like an eye roll from the audience. Like, oh no, he wants, no, he he probably could be better off doing something other than this airbag scam.
2: Yeah, my feelings here are a little mixed because I mean, I think we all thought it was pretty amusing that Tony B wanted to go straight. And I think it's kind of a thrill the moment we see him turn and go bad. But then it's like, I don't know if we're watching, I don't I don't actually know what happens to this character. I don't know if we're watching, like, the car accident that is his life in slow motion. Like, is it his want to get more involved that, like, becomes his undoing? Or is this something he was always meant to do? Is this guy, like, a fucking great lethal mobster? I, I don't know. I'll say this. The show paints him as very capable and very smart. Like, he seems to know what he's doing. And if you're Tony and you kind of have a shortage of guys that can really do stuff, especially after like the crushing blow of using losing Furio not long ago, it's kind of like, I'm looking for that guy, the guy that kind of does it all. I'm looking for that queen piece, you know, if I'm the king.
1: Mm. And
2: it, Tony B. Sees like, seems like he could be that guy. I mean, we've seen like a lot of valuable gangsters come and go. Like Furio was a guy who could just get shit done. Ralph Cifaretto, even though he was the devil, was a guy who could get shit done. Tony B. seemed to me at least narratively to present it like, oh, I think Tony's initially excited to have him back, not just to kind of make up for his guilty feelings, but like, wow, this is a guy that really does stuff. And now Tony finally has the chance to let him do stuff, but there's something holding him back. It's yeah. it's actually an interesting conflict. Yes,
0: yes. I hope we find out more about that. But uh, for now, it is interesting to watch and I'm along for the ride. Let's see where it goes here. First of all, Bill Leotardo shows up with the fucking neck brace on. Hilarious sight gag on this particular human being. Uh. <laughs> yeah, it's it's awesome. We meet uh, Pussy's brother. This character is new. Uh, is uh, maybe I need to double check this. Is this? vincent pastor's actual brother by the way there is a resemblance it certainly looks like him yeah i think it might be his actual brother i could be wrong on that one of our fans will be in one of our inboxes with that answer within minutes of this going up but correct (laughs) so you know every time we do something like that people message us like oh you guys should have googled before you did your episode it's like I don't need to Google. We'll no, just put up the Google. episode. Yeah, You fucking Google, you people. You do it. <laughs> Whether we Google something or not, there's going to be people messaging us or emailing us. Yeah, we're who. here to talk about the show. We're not the wiki. <laughs> Come on. You use the Google machine. Fuck that. <laughs> this is Pussy's brother. I was away when all that shit happened with, the, with your brother. The fuck happened? We don't like to talk about it. They go look at the car. The fuck is this? Immediate problem. Joey Peeps clearly (laughs) was, his his protege, Joey Peeps, is clearly uh, not, uh, was briefed before arriving here that this was to be the plan. Uh, The way he delivers the line, this new pain isn't as brilliant. (laughs) (laughs) They get inside, it feels, quote, off kilter. It reclines strange, too. (laughs) (laughs) It's clear what they're doing, and can't really uh, do anything about it. Puss's brother is, eh, sorry, Phil, kind of thing. Call me when it's done right, he says as he gets up and leaves. So attempt one at repairing the Leotardo car was unsuccessful. This scene, next scene is great, not only because it reminds me of, even though there's no Tony, Reminds me of a lot of the great dinner scenes of the show. It's a lot of fun had around the Soprano dining room table. Uh, it's it's lit in a way that is not. This season has had a generally darker hue to it, color wise. This scene, the scene is nice and bright, and Hugh has zero poker face. Zero. <laughs> it's so. I'm sitting there eating that rib uh, with a big smile on his face as they're talking and about what the quote, what the the setup plan is for the surprise party. I love that when it comes out that Hugh knows about the party, (laughs) Mary Angela's like first instinct is to blame AJ. (laughs) And AJ's just like, what (laughs) in fairness, I would also try to blame AJ first. (laughs) He repeats back juniors quote after he says, this. junior Carmela is beside herself. God damn him. That miserable fucking man. And then they start talking about the guest list. This is a very funny opportunity for an AJ Malaprop, Dr. Fago, figgolly, fig. <laughs> I love this line. They settled on Jersey. Ugh, that's wow, right r- right there. New Jersey's a gorgeous state. There's a lot of money. A lot of money in Jersey.
1: And didn't really make a thing of it. Didn't want to tell didn't want to tell the DeAngelis family. Didn't want to get together. They don't fucking care. Right. That's part of it. Uh, Very old wellspring of dramatic writing is you talk about characters before they enter. Mm. Um, For you theater fans, all three of you out there, Hedda Gabler, perfect example. She's not on stage when the play starts, but they talk about her. And then when she gets there, it's like, oh, okay, we've been building up to this. And sure enough, she is a whirlwind of a character. They do that here with Figoli, but this is Soprano's anti-climax because they build this guy up and he doesn't even have energy as right. a character. He sucks. He, yeah, it barely even registers, like, the, the he says the one rude thing. But other than that, it's just like, this. Guy, like what I wanted to say to the guy, I think actually kind of like Jordan was saying, because this episode's fun. I wanted to say to him, like, you know, we're trying to have a party here. Yeah. <laughs> like, we're, we're trying to have a good time. So they're building this guy, like... It's uh, and it really does bug me. I'm sure I wasn't alone in this, but this is again, like supposed to be huge party, and his wife is making a bigger deal out of this guy that barely cares she's alive. Yeah, uh, infuriating. Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
0: Yep. Yep. The Fogoli kids finished college. That's what sticks in your craw. <laughs> But yeah, Carmela is completely calling her out. You can see that Carmela is already like, oh, the forgot. like Carmela fights back on that, that they, you know, basically saying exactly what you said, Paul, and he doesn't give a fuck about you. He served in the Vatican. He and Hugh were in the military together, and he used to have he had such a bad case of crabs. We used to call him the governor of Maryland. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: that's quite good,
0: which, of course, everybody has to shut him down on. Oh, lighten up. He's old enough to hear. <laughs> That's great. That's great, grandpa. Yes. Dialogue there. Uh <laughs> who else is coming? Someone named Freddie DeNova. Tony will love him. Who else? And then there's the look exchanged. Well, actually, uh, Tony's not coming. Why won't he come? And you can see Hughes energized. And, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, like a moment of heartbreak here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of touching in a way, except it's complicated by the fact that you also feel for Carmella. But yeah, he he's just, <laughs> he won't come. Yeah, that's a crock of shit. He decided on his own. Yeah, because you put the screws to him. He knows. Yeah, he, he knows. He knows what's up. Well, we'll cancel the party then. And he throws down his napkin and says, "Go right the hell ahead, because I'm not coming if the man of the house isn't going to be there." Yeah, and, and he storms outside. Tough, tough, but also, yeah, like you guys said, it's complicated by the the misogyny of it. But at the same time, it's understandable, and you, it's obvious that Hugh was excited to have Tony at his
1: big bash. So, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> And I mean, look at it structurally. I'm sure you guys noticed the party sucks until Tony gets there. A hundred percent. Well, and that's
0: also what complicates this because we feel for Carmela in the first part of the season as AJ and her father and a lot of the other people in her life imply that the house is better with Tony here, that Tony should be at the house or that kind of thing. You should have a man here. You should have Tony here. And yet when Tony gets there, and does a great job as a host he entertains he cooks he mans the grill he's gracious he's he's generous he's he's a, a terrific host he's, yeah, a tr- amazing. He's, the, he's the kind of guy look whatever anybody thinks about tony soprano whether he should be in prison for the rest of his life or killed or whatever you can't deny that that guy is someone you want to be at a party with he's the yeah. hoot. he's a hoot he's the life of the party he's a, right He's Despite getting-
2: being a horrifying murderer, or whatever else you want to say, <laughs> Tony rules at a party. Absolutely. Yes, yes,
0: exactly. Uh, so, yeah. Interesting, fun. And it presents a an interesting conundrum for Carmela, who had uh, decided to disinvite Tony. Cut to Tony in the car. and just calling and laying out how much all of these expenses are racking up to. Phil's not happy. He wants new factory seats. And Tony if it wasn't obvious during the call, when he hangs up and gives that smile, it's just, he just loves yeah. making her squirm in this He way. loves it. Yep. Yeah. Look at the, at the end of the day, whether Phil gets an extra two grand out of this car repair, isn't going to make or break Tony. No, Tony doesn't give a fuck. It's about, it's about the satisfaction. Right? Exactly. So he's having fun. He doesn't really give a shit and he's, he's making Ann squirm and, and you want to be a woman in business. Yeah. You, know, you got to make decisions. Do what you think is best kind of energy here.
1: Hangs up, smiles. He. I mean, he just had this fight with Carmella in which she's pulling away and I'm going to do this party. I'm going to go it alone. He might as well say to Ange, you want to be a woman on your own. Right. <laughs> uh, I mean, but, and yeah, as you, again, as you said, if there was any doubt as to whether or not there's some kind of dark <laughs> and misogynistic <laughs> satisfaction out of this, that small smirk gives us everything. Right.
0: Right. Yeah. Tony calls Tony B while he enjoys making Angie squirm. He also knows he can't let Phil totally walk all over him. So he's going to have Tony B go to the next visit. Now I want everyone of our listeners now and fans of the Sopranos to, we were talking about Google before. I want you to go to Google images and Google the Shah of Iran. And I want you to tell me that this guy doesn't look like fucking Phil Leotardo. I mean, when Tony said, they're fixing the Shah of Iran's car, I fell off the chair. And the first time I heard that, does was... Oh my God, I just <laughs> did it right now. Wow, he does look like him. That's crazy. <laughs> they're fixing the fucking Shah of Iran's car. <laughs> That's very funny. So do wow. yourself the favor if you've never seen this person. That's Shah, <laughs> S-H-A-H. I see Iran. it. Uh... <laughs> I
2: do see it. That's very funny.
0: Yeah, that's great. Anyway, bottom line, he tells Tony B to get over there and just make sure Phil behaves himself. And then talks about this Sunday he's going to go get, hot summer night, and Tony B has nothing to say except, well, go for it. You deserve it. (laughs) He's looking at his girlfriend like, what the fuck? (laughs) And they hang up. All right, I'm going to go. Tony hangs up. And then we cut to this important meeting in the city. Tony B is there. They've mentioned separately that Angelo Gareppe and Tony B were friendly in the can, but it's nice to finally see them together. This, This is the first time that information actually pays off. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. So clearly that friendship prompted Angelo maybe to reach out to Tony B, invite him to dinner with Rusty. And while, Frankie Valley is a Jersey legend and a fun guy for all for all intents and purposes, a real Jersey boy. Rusty Milio is portrayed as a very serious man. Uh so uh,
1: he
0: is very singularly yeah. despite, f-
2: despite the casting, yes.
0: Yes, very singularly <laughs> focused on on what it is he wants. And uh he seems to be there, he's being portrayed to me as the legitimate brain trust behind Carmine Jr. Like the guy he's like. He's shorter of stature, but he's back. He's back. He's the guy who's like got his hand up Carmine Junior's ass, yeah, and is pushing that. That's what it's portrayed as. Anyway,
2: right. He's he's the only way Carmine Junior has a chance. Right. Dick Cheney.
0: Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. If if Carmine Junior is W, then Rusty is Dick Cheney. That's great. They do the whole thing with the. Jackie Gleason and how great his impression was, and it's okay, but it's 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 funny that Angelo gets such a kick out of it. It's <laughs> 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 but then we get to the heart of things. Rusty quickly changes subjects. They have a job, a payday, friend of a friend, not a friend of ours. Somebody needs to go. A line has been crossed with the killing of Lorraine Caluso. This apparently is one of their rules that they uh, follow, kill a woman, come on. And Carmine went to school with her. So they want to whack somebody in John's camp as revenge for Lorraine Caluso, who died in episode four, All Happy Families, was killed by Phil. Tony B looks slightly interested, but does the right thing and says, listen, uh, I'm going to have to say no. My cousin doesn't want us mixed up in this trouble you got out here. And it Mm. leaves and it leaves on a, well, it's on the table. Think it over kind of thing. Right. That's out there. Interesting choice to uh, present Tony B with this, but he had the presence of mind to say no.
1: Much like the, as Jordan has mentioned, the New York guys kind of show us how it's done when it comes to the brutality. Mm -hmm. It seems like they're kind of showing us how it's done when it comes to tempting somebody, the wine and dine vibe. Like this is a nice place. Mm. that They bring Tony to in the middle of the day, Mm -hmm. you know, he isn't used to this kind of thing mm-hmm. uh you know it's uh it's deliberate and again as like i said shakespearean you know angelo whispering in his ear somebody's gotta go i was like damn yeah. this is wild yeah yeah and the pressure is weirdly off like it's very
2: soft like everything about it is soft there's like sort of an elegance so as as hard as these guys get yeah there is a as paul said yeah there's there's a finesse
0: yeah, well, they're treating Tony B almost like a foreign dignitary, like Russ yes. Fagoli of the of the of the New Jersey mob. Right, like come come visit us, distinguished guest. We'll take you to this beautiful place. Pay probably two hundred dollars for lunch, uh, for one for, per person. You know, next to this gorgeous fountain. But yeah, it's a it's a cool scene, a visually very interesting scene. I, I was I, I was very entranced. I felt like I was at the table. It was a good scene. Good scene. Yeah, Carm makes the call to Tony. Wants him in. Tomorrow's going to be a madhouse, living hell. And he says, "Well, it's nice, but now I've made other plans." Yeah, turning the screws the same way he did to Angie. Turn yeah, in exactly. The screws. Yep. Yep. Making her feel like no help is coming, but he gives her the see what I can do, and yep. uh, that's it. And then we uh, we cut to the day of the party. It's here. Tony B shows up early with the twins. I don't know if now is the right time for this discussion, but I just want to throw out there that uh, David Chase really does seem to have a thing for twins. If you right. Think about it. right. Even, even
2: just, even just in this show. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Gene the Parisi Cusimano. twins, the Kusimano twins.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So that's interesting. Uh, some, maybe something to dissect in a, one of our uh, retrospectives,
2: but well, I mean, and we can't overlook the big one this season, which is just, you have Tony and Tony B and Tony B himself has two sons. And there's the, the, I don't know, the light side meadow and then the missing daughter, you know, yeah. of, of Tony, but like, there's a lot of the, the, parallel is like very, uh, I can't think of an apt comparison in this moment, but like it's, it's Tony B is clearly like his shadow. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's like the movie us. Tony B's been living <laughs> under, underground.
0: <laughs> I like that. I like that. Yeah. Brings the boys over. Carmela's stressing. I have been in this position where you're hosting and kind of running around and having, uh, a grown man, bring a bunch of kids over while you're preparing. Yeah, is, is, he strikes, he, he presents it as oh, I'm here to help. What can I help you with? But then drops off these rambunctious twins in the uh, pool. <laughs> yeah. Goes out the have next, to be
2: supervised.
0: Yeah. The next scene, Carmela is nice enough to invite you to swim in her pool and you go and destroy your property. It's a beach chair. Just fishing the chair out of the pool. It doesn't bode well right away. Can I make you a cocktail? I make a mean, rusty nail. Uh, I wrote, After he says, you know, they really love being here. I wrote, Tony, read the room. She's fucking stressed out. (laughs) Like, take the kids and come back later, please. For the love of God, come on. Meadow comes over to quote unquote help now. This is like when my cat helps me cook dinner, really. Just having these people (laughs) around. It's like, yeah, you're going to stand in that spot while I'm making this. Okay, sounds good. Uh, (laughs) Meadow wants to make her cake. (laughs) Finn can't even take a swim. He has to ask where the towels are, which the look Carmela gives him in that moment. <laughs> you have a towel. Um,
1: for a smart kid, Meadow's a fucking idiot. Yeah, I'm coming over to help, but that's why I'm making, that's why I'm like adding to the dessert as if Carmela didn't already map everything out. Right. Uh, and my my grandparents are gone, God rest them, but they used to always do this. <laughs> It was grandparents on my father's side and they would always come like at least an hour, maybe two hours early and my mother would still be prepping and it would drive her crazy. (laughs) Um, So watching this, I mean, that's very funny, but I was like, oh God, it brings me back.
0: Yeah, no, truly. I I feel the same way about it. It, it. This is something that happens in families where you have a party and someone just likes to get there insanely early for no good reason. And it is very annoying. As someone who hosts a lot, it's annoying. <laughs> not that... yeah, you know, No, not of that, course it is. When, when you're doing a big thing like this, I mean, sometimes you guys get there, get to my house a little early, you know, like when we do our recordings in person, but I, I that I never mind. I mean, like... And if of you're course host- you delight in our company. How could you otherwise? I do, I do. I'm talking about when you're hosting a big thing with a bunch <laughs> of diff- different courses and dishes. But anyway, be that as it may, the setup... The 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 build to this point has set us up for a scene between Tony B and Meadow, which is actually quite nice. It in despite the stressful setting, how's the search for Kelly? Go back to, I guess Kelly lived with them for a little bit when she was younger,
2: right? New it new information. Yeah,
0: spent her spent her twelfth birthday with us. How was she in school? Straight A's. Tony B is really moved to be hearing this, but. I think it's two things. One, it kind of strikes a chord seeing how well Meadow's doing and hearing about how well his daughter was doing for a time, but also right. he's, he's got to get to the body shot. So he fucking, I love this shot when Carmel looking out at the pool at the twins and looks behind her for Tony B. Where is he? Oh, he had to go. He had to do something. And she looks out <laughs> yeah. the, and he just like toots the horn and waves. <laughs> yeah, it is funny. <laughs> Very funny. Carmella looks like she wants to scream. And then <laughs> and then they show up. I love Carmella's mother. Excuse us for living. <laughs> what is wrong with them? And then we're back to the body shop. The seat's not at 12 o'clock. I love the way Phil delivers. It needs to be dealt with.
1: <laughs> Can somebody please remind me of the Stevie Wonder line? Because I don't remember it word for word, but it slayed me. It's so funny. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So
0: they're trying to hose her for factory seats. Angie's getting upset. Joey Peeps and Tony, Tony B sits in the seat to test it out after Phil sits and it says it's not at 12 o'clock, looks up at Joey Peeps and Joey Peeps kind of connects with him in that moment and rolls his eyes. And uh, Phil notices and says, you all right in there? What are you fucking Stevie Wonder? Roll your eyes rolling around (laughs) like that. (laughs) But it's an interesting moment where Joey Peeps and Tony B, both uh, both underlings in their own right, have a moment of like, oh, boy, here you know. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Even Joey Peeps is done with the performance part of this at this point. Tony B says it feels fine. The seats, all that. You can sit in there till fucking San Gennaro. <laughs> It'll need to be dealt with. <laughs> but anyway, so on that on that goes. And uh, we're back to the party. The party's in swing. Cousin Brian is in the background. It's been a minute since we've seen hey, him on here. cousin Brian. Chris and Aid in the background. Like you said, I mean, this goes back to Michael Imperioli's first turn in the writer's chair, Paul. Uh, the first episode he wrote in the show was From Where to Eternity, where the character Christopher has a scene in it where he's conscious, but he's in a fucking coma for a, a huge amount of the episode. So this, again, it's Chris and Aid, of course, are there, but they're in a peripheral capacity. Carmela's mother runs into the kitchen as if there is a fire outside and declares, do you have anything without tomatoes? Russ is allergic to tomatoes. <laughs> Artie's helping out with apps, but he's going to be a guest after the appetizers go out. Oh, my God. Russ is allergic to tomatoes. <laughs> I love this when we cut to, of course, Father Phil hanging out with Russ Vigoli because we can't just have one completely hateable character there. <laughs> and by the they way, plug. we have a whole collection here now. Yeah, by the way, and I'm one to talk. You get me at a party like that where there's a bunch of apps. I I completely disgrace myself, oh, but it is fitting too. that that Father Phil's plate is packed to the brim. It is, of course, loaded. <laughs>
2: He is the he's the Ichabod crane of the story here.
0: Yep. An Italian allergic to Pomodoro. You yeah, have my sympathies. Not mine. Fuck him. Fuck you too, Father <laughs> yeah. Phil. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Absol- <laughs> yes. Fuck yes, Paul. <laughs> they get into this discussion about North and South, and Tony's mother comes up and uh, how she had detested northern cooking. She skied the butter. That that so that conversation's happening. It feels a little perverse, in my opinion, for carmella's mother to bring up tony's mother after specifically campaigning to not have tony there but yes uh that's just my opinion on the matter rosalie is doing a great job in the kitchen keeping carmella calm and on task this is this is the first person to actually be in my opinion of some use to carmella here making sure she's all right has some wine right keeping carmella company and uh he's always got to wait to the last minute Here he comes. Tony comes in. Hey, I heard that. He's got the charcoal briquettes and (laughs) the relief on the face of everybody. And we're happy as viewers to see Tony come in wearing that festive shirt. And he's got his, even though he was instructed by Carmine Lupertazzi in season four, he's got his shorts on. (laughs) (laughs) He's ready to go. And he's twirling sausages. It's hilarious imagery. I love Tony twirling the sausages. Comes right up on Hugh, meets Russ Vigoli, who is looking with absolute shock and contempt at at this sausage twirling fat North Caldwell. (laughs) Right, the antithesis of him. Right. Yes, exactly. I love the joke. You're a doctor. That's good. Somebody usually goes down at these things. (laughs) (laughs) Little fun irony though that it's going to be Hugh who goes down at this thing. That's funny. Mm -hmm. So these are the two men sort of at the apex of what
2: Italian-American achievement could be, right? Yep. So you have Dr. Figoli, a Northern Italian who is uh, yeah, allergic to tomatoes. Okay. Um, <laughs> and he is everything that academia and class and breeding could want, I suppose. But he is utterly without charm and personality. And he's a real fucking dickhead. <laughs> you have Tony. Tony's a criminal. In fact, he's a, he's a class A criminal. And yeah, he's rude and crass and nasty, but also he's super fucking fun and very charming and loving and passionate and full of life, and I bet could eat tomatoes raw all day long, right? So it's just it's it's the the nice contrast here. Uh, incidentally, Marco Polo, famous Venetian explorer, he's a Northern
1: Italian, but we'll talk more about that, I'm sure. Yes, and Marco Polo would have also been the image, the icon that Christopher Columbus would have seen, <laughs> as- right? as his, he was the, he was the explorer that the East is what ostensibly a lot of people think Columbus was really looking for. Um, yeah, it's, it's a fascinating dynamic that this guy's the one legit, uh, again, as, as Carmela's mother says, the cultured Italians. And it brings me back to, uh, I think a question we got, we got a couple of questions at the end of last season about the FBI from our friend, Alan, across the pond and uh family friend of the show, Brian, Lily's brother, again, like this guy's supposed to be presumably morally, upstanding but the way that we relate to these characters more personal it's not a moral philosophy class it's hanging out with them and we want to hang out with Tony we don't want to hang out with Russ and one of the reasons we don't want to hang out with Russ is not only that he's tedious but in addition to that if you're going to be morally superior to Tony if you're going to say no to Tony say no to him don't go to his house and eat his food and then act like a fucking dickhead
0: right Nail on the head, Paul. I couldn't agree more. And Carmela, st- mm-hmm. Carmela ostensibly says as much later she on. She does. Mm-hmm. He's such a diplomat. He insults his host. But we'll get there. Tony with the why- the-, the dumb jokes, but they're funny. And Hughes having the, the p- important thing is the birthday boys having a blast. Uh, he had an audience with four popes really with section gel sit in oh you you, you idiot <laughs> <laughs> but he was he loves it which is the important thing but the fogoli actually looks down like he's like oh my god like he can't, <laughs> he can't believe he was just asked that uh <laughs> we are now introduced to this thing that's happening where Carmela is out at the party finally out of the kitchen which must be nice but she's ordering tony b around to film different things film the table before they pillage it so tony b is is doing a a recording
2: i i think she's doing this very harmlessly by the way i know he's very he's very like hurt that he's being as he'll later say like ordered around like a slave but it's
0: just because she feels close to you and you're helping what the fuck do you want man (laughs) yeah it's uh they, they they get into some gifts everyone gathers around and this is a really sweet scene i think uh there's some genuine sweetness here in a show that genuine sweetness is actually in rare supply so that's another reason this stands out hugh he's no poet but he's giving a very genuine and heartfelt speech about his his wife and thanking tony his host and all the all you freeloaders for coming and tony is Mm -hmm. happy and when he actually manages to share a sweet look with Carmela at at one point here across from each other it's it's foreshadowing what's to come a little bit that they're softening Mm -hmm. in in the in the height of this marriage that has existed for so long and they both have an affection for Hugh as we know so that's good Mm -hmm. Tony gives him the Beretta no that's it Tony gives him the Beretta what were you gonna say
2: I was just gonna say I love uh, the way that Hugh's speech is written. It's not an overwritten speech. It does not. It doesn't outline anything too much. Uh, it, it really just felt like a common man's um, sweet words. You know, mm-hmm. it was not. It was just perfect. It just felt. This whole episode feels incredibly lifelike. It really yeah. is great.
0: Yeah, I agree. It's it's you know, look, you, we're all kind of. If I had to give a speech at some kind of party, I, I confess I would be like writing it in my head for weeks leading up oh, yeah, to the event. Oh, me too.
2: I would overwrite it, and it would be worse than this piece. Right.
0: and Well, that's just it. Most people don't exist that way. And when it, when you see it, it's like, yes, this is exactly the kind of thing that things everybody here involved would say. It felt very genuine. It felt real. Great acting. Great writing. Uh, Chris, our, our writer, Michael Perioli in the background of this shot the whole time. Great job. The writers just do such a nice job with the voice of each character. And it's really
1: particularly good
2: in this episode. Mm
1: -hmm. And as outright absurd as the characterization is, I totally believed that this guy would say during a speech to his wife, that wife, thank you for putting up with me. (laughs) yeah, All these years. It's like, yeah, that's the way these fucking people would perceive it. This guy who's been like mousy with his wife. He's been like henpecked for the last century with this woman it's like oh man it's a lot putting up with me yeah (laughs) Hugh I'd put up with you
0: any day anyway that's that's a great point this gorgeous gun Beretta Tony B uh, while Hugh is enjoying it pulling it out it is a gorgeous gun I'm not like a gun fetishist or anything but it's 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 just it looks like it's very well made well crafted I'm talking like you know from a pure craft standpoint it's a very beautiful looking gun it's a handsome gun i love tony kind of off at the uh (laughs) the derelict table (laughs) drinking a rolling rock like nice to have money (laughs) the envy creeping in right yeah
1: and then uh of course yeah like the cheap beer and cheap cigarettes
0: yeah exactly yeah 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 yeah, I kept thinking every time they cut to this table. It's just the way they shot it. It's it's deliberately that way. I kept thinking of the wedding singer, like, and the mutants over at table nine. You know? <laughs> <laughs> <Wait. Nope. laughs> Definitely. Uh, but then Tony B gets a little back. He's asked to come shoot it. Gets these very unflattering shots of Tony's belly and Carmela's ass in the striped pants gonna watch that video back and be like oh my God it's great <laughs> next it kind of fades into darkness it's going into the evening now the Tiki torches are out Tony's walking around still man in the grill there's so much food here that even father Phil says oh no I've had enough when Tony comes around with the steaks yeah. uh but that's how you know it is too much <laughs> when Phil taps out yeah exactly but this is a great again i eat like a fucking maniac at these things and the idea of just this point in the party you're still coming out with steaks i'm like hell yeah but anyway once tony's going around with the food he gets up to russ he's talking about the beretta factory and how he visited when he was over there in italy and tony tries to have another moment of connecting with this guy he's he tony uh, you know again I hate to keep talking so brightly about our primary villain here, I guess, but Tony is uh, hes a good host. He's very good at this, and he is trying to find some kind of common ground conversation. Really, I'd love to see that. And the guy can't resist but make a comment that clearly upsets Tony, and even to the point where everyone around is like, ooh, that was rude. When he says that uh, Beretta's best pieces, they don't export them. Yeah, what? I, I just a terrible thing to say all around uh, yeah. for no one's benefit. Right, right. Just a dick thing to do and say. Tony brusquely walks off, and everyone around is like, "Ooh, that was awful." Actually, I thought well handled by Tony because he could have scalped that fucking guy. Uh, correct. Yes. Yeah. That was pretty like, good. Again, Tony is is a good host here. Well, best thing he could mm-hmm. do is not make a scene at his father in law's party. Walk away and walk away. Exactly. Tony B and Meadow having a fun uh, conversation here about the penal system. Uh, And if this scene were written in 2023, I feel like Meadow would, would be accused of being woke here, but this is, uh... (laughs) but I love that Tony B, the point though is she's an Ivy leaguer and Tony B is keeping up uh, with her about the, he's very smart, the inequalities in the criminal justice system and how, his experience in prison inflicts the convict mentality to the point where prison becomes the only place the convict can function. And it's mm-hmm. just like, damn dude, you're, you're, you're selling stolen airbags. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> It's great. But Tony comes up and mocks, you know, whatever liberal university, my little bleeding heart. She's wise beyond her years. It's a funny moment here, but it, it gets a little sad pretty quick because tony has a legitimately sweet moment connecting with meadow here They're they fight so often uh, uh that it's nice to see tony and meadow having a moment of laughter and he's hugging her and he's got her on his lap and she's laughing and of course the envy tony b creeps in this is how his maybe his life would have turned out had he not gone to prison when tony perhaps right. should have and you can see it on his face. He's looking down. He's drinking beer. You can hear the sounds of Meadow and Tony giggling and joking around with each other. Tony B and Tony get a moment alone together, lighting up cigars. And Carmela asks him to come over and film something, and he lets it out with "What am I a fucking slave?" Grabs the camera, goes off, and Tony is like, "Oh, <laughs> it's a pretty good O. I I I need to like come up with some kind of. Star rating system for the vowel sounds that come out of people in this show. Yeah, the show. There's the there's the YouTube supercut of all those. There right? is a supercut of all the O's yeah. and in yeah. <laughs> oh, and this is a good one. this is a, That was a
1: good O. A nice succinct, like oh. Even Tony's generosity probably sparks some of the envy here because I I don't know what kind of cigar or cigars he has, but it seems like a nice one. And he pulls it up for himself and just tosses one onto the table. Like, it's a fucking dollar bill for Tony B to have. So, again, even Tony's generosity is probably uh, touching something for Tony B that will lead him to the end of the episode. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. Everyone, We're now entering the phase of the party where everyone is trashed. Uh, Hugh is out of his mind at this point. He's being dragged to the car by multiple people. Gets thrown in. He's just absolutely lost his mind. The gun gets tossed in the trunk. Yeah, but you know what? But what a night for him. Oh, this was what a, a night. Hap-
2: a very happy ending for Hugh DeAngelis.
0: Oh, yeah. He's he's getting home. He's he's gonna have the time of his life, even in that back seat. Just like, yep. you know, all the way home. What a night he had. Absolutely. No other way for this to end. And as Carmela's helping Hugh into the car, we get to the meat of this little thread. She overhears her mother apolog- saying, sorry, what else can I say to the Figoli's? And uh, Carmela has to f- push it. Finally, she goes over. Sorry for what? And she doesn't want to get into it for a second. The off-color jokes, the sausage twirling. These are cultured Italians. This was a shock for them. Oh, boy. I roll. Jesus. Talk about eye rolling. Fucking I'm Stevie Wonder listening to that nonsense. <laughs> He's a pompous man, always was. Carmella rips into her; she is bang on here. So that's what this is. That's why you didn't want him to come. You didn't want your, your your cultured Italians who grew up on Arthur Avenue, by the way, which is in the south, which is in the Bronx. It's the yeah, it's, it's Guinea. You know, the real a real real Guinea fest over there. The kind of Italians like Tony and Carmella, and uh, you didn't want him to meet your Gavone son-in-law. She drops our pull quote, which is whatever we are. I'm proud of it, unlike you. And makes more comments about her mother being a one of these closeted, self loathing Italians. When Meadow came out, oh, she looks so dark. I never said that. I remember overheard you saying you were happy DeAngelis didn't end in a vowel. Mm. Just ripping it, Carmela. This this it felt like this was brewing for a long time. It did. <laughs> also, just a
2: nice overall revisitation by the show. Of these themes because we've touched on all this I, I think in every season um this kind of self-loathing for italians and this is something that touches all these characters this was uh a yeah. it was Carmela tony at one point i mean a lot of this is from it's it's a nice i don't want to say a payoff a nice continuation of this uh what it means to be italian thing
0: right yeah this is a, this was fascinating to me as a lifelong italian and I, uh, I, I'm right with Carmela on here. Paul, any thoughts on this and and the selection of this quote as our pull quote?
1: Yeah, I wanted to use it as the pull quote. I think because of what you guys are just talking about, it relates to a theme that's big in the show overall. Carmela's mother in this storyline seems to be playing the role that Richard, Melfi's ex-husband, tends to play. Like, I don't know, Buzz Killington from Family Guy, like just this annoying guy, but but it gets at something where there's, again, like this closet self-loathing, self-esteem, not at, uh, kind of like what Charmaine Bucco says, be happy in your own self. Like, mm. you're Italian, you have you have a complicated history, you have a complicated legacy, um, why are you ashamed and why, why do you shame other people? I, I like all that and I love where Carmela's coming from. It is complicated because it also leads her back to Tony, which, mm feels right in the moment. I'm not sure it's good.
0: Right. So. Yeah. They're playing Marco Polo in the pool. Now we're getting to our title. And Artie is, and he's very competitive. Artie really wants to win this game of Marco Polo. He's so funny. John Ventimiglia kills everything he does. <laughs> uh When Tony climbs fish out, out, of out, water. out. Fish out of water. You're out, Tony. <laughs> uh, Tony says, I'm
1: taking a timeout. By the way, the surprise make got their own rules to games.
0: Oh um, yeah, keep yeah that exactly.
1: <laughs> put a pin in that. We are going to come back to it.
0: <laughs> yeah, they certainly do. Uh, and this is also not the first time we have had de- deliberately fish out of water imagery in this ooh, season. Oh yes, right. Fish right, out right. of water tone. So park park that one back. We're going to come back to it. But Tony says I'm taking a time out. Goes over to Carmella, seems to have this coordinated with AJ. They grab her, they sweep her off her feet. And I know she's pleading and begging not to be thrown in, but I challenge anybody to watch this without a smile. It, this is just a family having fun. Uh, at its- and, and upon
2: throwing her in, what happens? Symbolic- symbolically forcing her back into the family. Back into the pool, right? Mm -hmm. Dragged in by her son, her her husband. Yes, the pool that represents the family.
0: Yeah, what a what a what a delicious irony that the place where Tony most feared losing his family is the place he has a really lovely reconnection with it. And this doesn't feel like a family that is in the midst of a tense separation here. This is a like an oasis in the middle of it. It's really nice and it's really sweet. Again, that's another thing that makes this episode stand out: some genuine sweetness, some genuine connection. Doesn't mean it's good to go back to what Paul said, but it it is there and it is real. Uh, she tries to get out; they pull her back in. You're it, Carm. <laughs> and then the way Edie Falco delivers this half reluctant Marco is <laughs> is embedded in my brain. It's just so fucking funny. And she's it, and they're all they're all playing. This next scene is the breaking point for Tony B. He's home tucking the twins in and finds an artifact of the Olympics in 96. These pins that the twins stole out of AJ's closet. Tony B grills the kids about it a little bit and it comes out that they stole it. You stole from my son steals from his own family I love it there. I wish they talk about how much they love being there. I don't want to come back here. Ouch! And you can t- uh, Steve Buscemi's most heartbreaking moment, I think, in this episode comes right here when his kid says that to him, and you can see it all in his face, all of it rushing up. It's almost uh, it might as well be as a strange daughter saying that I don't want to come back here to you. Yeah, uh, it, it's brutal. It's rough. It gets me sad talking about it, especially while there's such loving connection. It's the same thing. It's the same thing that's eating away a junior. It's the fact that this is not the life he was hoping for. It's not the way it turned out. Uh, and he needs to do something uh, besides giving the game boys to the Salvation Army. He, <laughs> <laughs> he puts in the bed, blames both of them. You're just as guilty as he is because you didn't stop him puts in the bed, takes the game boys and heads out into the night. We're going to come back to Mr. Blindetto shortly, but good acting here by Buscemi. I really like the way he played Very. this. Always. We're back in the pool. Things are winding down. Artie's passed out with a towel on his head. He looks fucking hilarious. <laughs> uh, AJ's leaving with Devin. Call me, whatever. Yeah, bad, I'll try bad service. I like this cl- yeah. classic departing teenager line. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> what yeah. kind of lie is that? A <laughs> God, it's something. It's something. God, it, it's so transparent. But I love this little conversation. Again, more dialogue that just feels very real, well delivered by these actors. He's showing her he's not a kid. I think he's showing her more than that. Well, that's inevitable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Scary is what that is. It's great. This is great stuff. Meanwhile, while they're having this conversation, Tony's inching toward her and kudos to, to, to John Patterson here. This is, this is really well done. This sequence in particular is a standout where we're going back and forth between under the pool. It might as well be a visual metaphor for subconscious versus conscious. Really just like what Mm -hmm. you're hearing above the water is not what you're seeing below the water. Uh, And sometimes it's just very good. I love the he reaches out and touches her hand, and we're hearing the muffled dialogue. What Artie's right there? He's comatose. <laughs> She's saying, Tony, no, we shouldn't stop, kind of thing. And and he's just like, What feels nice, doesn't it? He's kissing her, gets her up against the wall of the pool. Sully, he takes her shirt off. He's feeling her up. He's showing her great affection goes down kissing her breasts. It's very sensual, very erotic, much more so in a, in a way that the show doesn't usually portray, particularly Tony and Carmella, Right. And uh, it's a nice time. She There's a part of her that knows this is not a good idea, but she clearly is desiring it as well. And Habit feelings, genuine emotion, moments of sweetness, tenderness, the festive atmosphere of the party, a return to form, Tony showing so well, that sweet moment earlier when she gets him the beer, it was all leading to this. Off they go, off to the races. Any thoughts on this? I mean, I'm sure there's a,
2: a faction of viewers who maybe are disappointed by this because maybe you wanted more independence for Carmela, or maybe you wanted something different for Carmela. And that's, that's totally valid and a good reading for me. And I'll only speak to my experience. I mean, I'm rooting for them to get back together. And I don't know if this is a a temporary reconciliation of the marriage or if this is just the first step towards an actual reconciliation. Um, But I, I, Love this episode in the way that it puts things back together in a way that isn't complicated. Why are they getting back together? Uh, Because they're experiencing authentic emotions here. Well, didn't they think about this? No, not really. Not today. Not at this party. Because there's something magical about a party that starts off as being kind of uh, stiff and officious and difficult and then kind of melts into like a summer dream. And then, you know, you get this... Twilight, And then the evening and then anything can happen because we've reached this sort of you you said it uh, so well, Chris, it's like, is this the realm of the conscious, the subconscious? I don't know. It's it feels very authentic. It feels more authentic than Carmela putting up the guards against her family, which we know is a good idea. There is something that is more uh, primal, elemental, something more natural about just giving in to this man and being together and being with your family, and it feels good. Maybe it's bad that it feels so good as a viewer, but you you very much want this. You want them to have sex in the pool. You want this to keep going. You want the good times to keep rolling, right? Yeah, some of it is mirage. Some of it is, you know, you you like this can't last, but it it after all the contention, it feels so good.
1: Well said. I also think that something that I've come to appreciate more in doing this podcast, in particular with some of the things that Lily has shared about Carmela's perspective, the idea for a lot of this season is Carmela moving away from Tony, or at least trying to be more independent. But what she has seen in Sentimental Education and then in this episode is that these other aspects of supposedly the sweet life or the more legitimate life also have their cruelties and hypocrisies and huge disappointments. That was something that I really have appreciated. That's something that I really appreciated on this watch through of this season more than I have in the past. Mm. So the way that the whole story with Figoli and her parents play out, it made more sense to me that she felt comfortable and loved and appreciated in that moment with Tony in the pool. So it made more sense to me, uh, Much more in this viewing than in previous ones.
0: Yeah. So often we've talked about, and again, it's juxtaposed beautifully because we're about to go to a whorehouse, but we've talked about how transactional (laughs) the Soprano marriage has been, at least in front of the camera, that we're, we're privy to. When all of that's stripped away, there is genuine love here. There is genuine affection. Tony, so often, when he shows Carmela affection out of the points in the series, either with a gift or with physical intimacy, is usually trying to compensate for something or make up for something. Tony has nothing really to gain here. Yes, does part of him want to come back to the house? Sure, but that's not why he's doing it. This is actually, like you said, it's a it's a real moment. It is a summer fairy tale, a midsummer night's dream that we're being presented with, and they're both just kind of following this trail wherever it goes. Now, long term, this might have good or bad ramifications. We're going to have to keep watching. That's the point of a of a series. But for right now, in this moment, it's beautiful. What an awesome cut. These people know what they're doing from this couple who goes to make love after such a beautifully shot and composed scene to Tony B having a Metamucil breakfast watching someone on that tiny TV beat their meat. That is, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's the morning. he's Yeah, exactly. That's the morning he's having. Uh, and when he picks up the phone, calls Rusty or Angelo and says, I'm in. I just wrote, uh-oh, this, is, this can't be good. We cut back to the Soprano bedroom. Little, uh, would love to find out more about the thought process here, but Tony sneaks out before Carmela gets up. Hmm. So no follow-up here, no breakfast, no what happened. Well, a good
2: strategic move on his part, right? I think so. He does not want to put her in a conversation where she has to recognize that them sleeping together or being together or whatever was a mistake. Mm. He wants to preserve the dream in some way.
0: Mm. Interesting, okay. Yeah, I think that's valid. Joey Peeps leaving the whorehouse. We're getting to the last uh, moments here. Comes out and uh, this is interesting because Joey and Tony had a little bit of a connection uh, at the scene with the car, but he he, he recognized a moment of recognition. I love the way they shoot this from Tony B's perspective. He walks up to the car. Hey, Tony, right? Bang, bang, kills the prostitute, kills him. And. The car runs over his foot. That's an important note, but. What's done is done. Joey Peeps has been whacked. Someone from the North Jersey faction has gotten directly involved in this New York war, which is mm. something Tony vehemently hoped to avoid. I mean, he we saw how he yelled at Chris when Chris simply spoke out of turn. So we can't imagine what kind of consequences await Tony B if Tony Soprano were to find out about this. And he limps off into the night. We get that far shot of the carnage and Tony B putting the gun in his waist and limping off. And that's where we end Marco Polo. Thoughts on this final whacking, this final sequence and the episode as a whole? Um, just on the final whacking sequence,
2: I, I, you know, I, I feel bad for Tony B. Um, we want better for the character. He makes a bad choice here. Um, it's actually, I don't think he makes a bad choice in, you know, doing this and taking the job. He, he made a bad mistake not telling Tony uh, or getting Tony's approval. Um, I don't think he understands the, Delicate situation that he's in And I'm I'm sure the show is about To deal with it um, You know we uh, have seen A couple of hits go really wrong On this show uh, it's actually happened quite A bit and they almost act like Ill omens right um, When the hit goes smooth you're like okay And that's the show tying something up and we're done And we're going to move on and when the hit goes poorly We know that there's going to be some kind Of a lingering business to this So mm-hmm. I am looking forward to seeing like Okay not only did he kill the girl, which was not part of the bargain, and let's not forget that part of the reason that he's performing this hit in the first place is because they killed a girl, too. They killed uh, Lorraine, mm-hmm. right? So now he's done the same thing. He's killed a woman, and the car has run over his foot, uh, something that he will not be able to hide. So I, I can feel the vice of fate closing on <laughs> Tony B, but I do not know exactly how the machine will run. Mm. In terms of the episode itself... Uh, Jokingly, in the pre-recording, I referred to this episode as, actually in our last episode, I even said, a long day's journey into the pool. Uh, (laughs) It feels that way. It feels that way. And, And one of the ways this episode succeeds in making me feel like I was transported back to my childhood is... My mother was never in a good mood before we had a holiday party or a summer party or anything. She was stressed out all morning. She had been cooking the previous day and into that morning, we were helping, we were cleaning, we were doing our thing. It was like Nazi Germany in my house before everybody actually got there. And then the party started and it's the trickling in of the first couple of guests who seem to never be the the guests you want to arrive first. And I think this episode really gets that right because <laughs> everyone who is unhelpful arrives first and is bo- bothersome and burdensome to Carmela. Yeah. And then it hits like the okay the real guests have started to arrive but it's a stiffness, right? And then, okay, now in our episode, we have Tony, but it could have been any one of your family members, your favorite uncle, your grandfather, your really funny aunt, whoever is the dynamite personality in your family. Those people finally show up fashionably late as usual. And then, you know, fate tosses a coin. Will this be a great party or will this be, you know, just kind of a so-so event? And those great parties do exactly this. They last all day there are multiple courses we get into nighttime new nighttime guest shows up people go they leave they come you lose a sense of the time and this episode does so well in terms of just kind of like you kind of lose track what time is it who is where there's just such a good time having the food the drink the party the atmosphere of it all and something changes uh, you know it it enters this sort of dreamlike state this episode does that really well. We get the um you know the cherry on top is Tony, you know, briefly reconciling with Carmela, yes, sexually. And we get this great shot. I don't know if we mentioned this, of Artie waking up in the morning Mm-mm. as if he had dreamed it all. As yeah. if he is, you know, bottom waking up the next morning and being like, What, 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 what happened? Um, but there is a lingering sense of something, the evidence of the night's revels, right? And it is Really beautiful, and I think hard to capture in an episode of television. But it's so impeccably written, and it is, yeah, it is our little taste of the sweet
1: life. Uh, I love this episode. Can't top that. This episode is extraordinarily well done. It's uh, it's also self contained. It has it's not unlike the fifth episode in that way. It's mostly about the party. There's a few threads but um, it's mostly can be sustained on its own again, like a dream. We are going to deal with lingering stuff from the murder that happens at the end. Uh, It's another thing. They work in these details among the many things that Tony Blundetto is. He is a cold, cold killer. Um, He connected with Joey as the guy who had a level head in that scene. He didn't think twice. He didn't flinch when he goes to kill him, didn't flinch when it came to killing the prostitute. Um, again, complication, like in liking Tony, our Tony, Tony Soprano, we like this guy Tony B. We see this part of him at the end. It's like, oof, it's rough. Right? Yeah, terrific episode, great complications, and um, a terrific setup moving into the last few episodes, which, like is often the case in The Sopranos, 9 through 13 is just fireworks.
0: Yeah. Well said, gentlemen. I feel very much the same that this episode is, in many ways, Like I said in our last review of In Camelot that that while I appreciate the episode for what it offers, and I think there's some very interesting elements in there and some things that I think about a lot and go back to, that's not an episode I would ever pop in just as a fun one-off watching just a random Sopranos episode tonight. I think it's going to be In Camelot. This is the precise opposite. This is exactly the kind of episode I would pop in. I'm a little drunk on a Tuesday, on on, on a Friday night. It's like 1030 and I got one more thing in me before bed. I'm going to watch a random Sopranos episode. I don't want it to be one of the killer episodes that just fucks me (laughs) emotionally. But I also don't want something that's not exciting. This is it. This is I just want to immerse myself in this party, the humor, the dream that we've all discussed It's a fantastic episode. If for no other reason than I just like the way this party, this event, and the genuine emotion that happens in it, I like the way it makes me feel. And there's a lot of genuine sweetness in a show where it's lacking, but it also has that cold blooded brutality, the materialism, the envy. It's great. This is great. This is an awesome hour. And like you said, we're coming up on the back half of five, and I have no qualms saying that the last few episodes of season five and the first few episodes of six are my favorite stretch of episodes connected as far as consecutive bangers one after the other love it so we're really coming up on some great stuff next episode the writers get very playful about some of their own conventions that they've uh introduced into the show we're gonna have a great time i suspect talking about this next episode season five episode nine unidentified black males that's coming up next And I can't wait to dig into it. Thank you all for joining us. This podcast with two of my best friends and family in the world is La Dolce Vita to me. I love you, boys. This this has been great. I I, love you guys. Love you. Love you guys very much. And that's it. I'm Chris D'Amato. I'm Paul McLean. And I'm Jordan Hugh. And we'll see you next time for Unidentified Black Males. Oh, what section you all sit in?